This is the People in Their Work podcast. I am Professor Doug Gardner in the Student Leadership and Success Studies Department at Utah Valley University. In this podcast, you will hear the first-person stories of people journeying through their education, work, and career decision-making. In this episode of the People in Their Work podcast, we will hear from Lita Judge, an author and illustrator. Lita shares the process she created and uses to illustrate and write children's books. This episode was recorded at the Utah Valley University Love of Reading Conference. I came to writing and illustrating children's books kind of in a roundabout way. I didn't grow up visualizing myself as becoming a writer. I grew up thinking that I would become a paleontologist. I grew up in a very remote part of the world and I wasn't exposed to a lot of books. I didn't have the opportunity to check out books from a library, but I was exposed to a lot of nature and biology. My grandparents were ornithologists, and we worked out in the field, and we were surrounded with animals, and so I grew up with an appreciation for nature and science, and I thought I would grow up and become a geologist, and that's what I did. I worked on dinosaur digs and got a degree as a geologist, and I loved that work, but I realized what I loved about dinosaurs when I was a youngster was using my imagination to visualize what they looked like and I loved to draw just on my own and I didn't really have the um, opportunity to see myself as an artist until I met my husband and he took me to an art museum and I basically just kind of crumbled into a pile of tears because I realized I was doing something that wasn't what I was meant to do. I was really meant to create, you know, pour my passion for the natural world into stories for youngsters and bring that world to them. And so um, it took me a number of years to find that path, but I feel so fortunate that I found that way. My journey towards becoming a writer, it took a while for me to visualize because my method of writing um, is a very personal one, and my journey towards being a reader is is kind of a different path than a lot of writers. Um, I'm, I'm very dyslexic. I was not exposed to a lot of books at, at a young age, and then I, I was born on a, an island off the coast of Alaska, and we were living in incredibly remote areas, and my family lived out of a tent, and for a while we lived in a car. And so when I was finally exposed to books, we were suddenly aware of the fact that I was dyslexic. And when you're dyslexic, I think that teachers can struggle to see you as a future writer. I, so I didn't see myself as a writer. And the methods that were taught to me in school weren't really compatible with how my, my brain works. And, and my brain is very creative. I think growing up in the wild and growing up in a place that was so remote really fostered an incredible imagination because I had to invent my own stories and invent my own entertainment. Um, and so that was a real strength for becoming a creator. But you know, my weakness was the fact that when I was exposed to traditional schooling, um, th the way we teach writing in schools works for a lot of students. It didn't work for me. Um, it's very writing oriented. We start with, um, often we start with the first sentence of the first paragraph of, of a story. That's what we're asked to, um, to do. And we're, we're asked to write a story with words. And when I was in college and as a young adult working as a geologist, I carried a journal around with me and I constantly drew pictures and I call my journal my memory palace because it keeps um, the things that I see alive and it fosters my imagination around them until they that kind of becomes the foundation to a future story. And when you're building a story, you're taking something like an emotion and you're constructing a narrative around it 
that you know, can become a story so that you can share that emotion with somebody else. And that's really what writing is. It's not about sentences and paragraphs. I mean, that all goes into it. But once I realized that we as writers you know, and creators, it's our job to find what works for us. And for me, working in the pages of my journal was kind of my way of observing the world and thinking about the world and thinking about what I had to say as a writer. And then I stumbled onto the fact that pictures have always come easier for me than words. My form of dyslexia means I'm very, I have a visual acuity that a lot of people who can read um, easier than um, the brain I was given. Um, I see negative spaces. I, I have a, a memory where I can see somebody and 10 years later I can draw a portrait of them. I just, I remember shapes so well. And so I realized if I could work at a storyboard, storyboard instead of a typewriter, that would be my way of becoming a writer. So when I work, I don't sit down at a computer. I instead, I stand at a storyboard, and I draw hundreds and hundreds of pictures, little, little rough sketches of what I see in my mind, uh, the story unfolding, the characters, the setting, the emotional journey of those characters. And I just draw them out. And I work for a matter of months. Um, having the story unfold to me visually so that when I go about writing the story, um, it's actually pretty clear. The first story I wrote, I say wrote, but I worked on the art for a good six months and then I just looked at the paintings and I said, what's happening in each one of these paintings? And that was kind of the building blocks to the technique that I now use, which is just very visually oriented. I find if I try to start with words, I panic and freeze up and it's, I have come to realize that when I was a kid, I thought of myself as a bad writer because I wasn't able to write the way I saw other kids around me write. And I realized I had just as many stories within me. I just needed to find a different way to unlock those stories. And I'm always telling teachers who are sharing writing and reading with kids, you know, think about it as kids, they, they stand behind a door and we, it's our job to find the right key to unlock that lock. I really think that everybody was born with the capacity to create. We just have different ways to go about it. As a writer and illustrator, I feel really lucky because, I mean, you work really long hours and you're always trying to get a book published and working to propound a book while you're writing a book. And so there's a lot of challenges, but there's always also so many gifts. And one of the greatest gifts I feel is that you get to be kind of, you get to de determine your own destiny and what material that's going to inspire you. And I find I my background is in science. I, my, I have a degree in geology, and I worked as a geologist. Um, I've also worked years with my grandparents who were biologists, and I worked out in the field banding hawks and working on their research. And so when I, when I wrote my first book, it was a nonfiction book. It was actually based on my grandparents, and it was around a historical event, uh, their involvement in World War II. They wrote, uh, w after their death, I found out they had started a relief effort to help families in Europe that had lost their homes and were living on the streets and were struggling to find food and clothing. And my grandparents had received a letter from a family they didn't even know, but they had had a connection through a university. My grandfather had co-written a paper with an ornithologist in Europe, and it was his wife who had wrote my grandmother asking for help, and I discovered the evidence of this relief effort. 
And so my first book felt like a good fit for me because it was nonfiction. It was based on my grandparents' life, so it incorporated a lot of the science of their life, and science was something I loved. And my background, I felt like I was well-suited to nonfiction. And so my first several books were nonfiction. They were science-oriented. I worked as a geologist on dinosaur digs, and so I wrote a lot about that. But as a child growing up in a really remote area of the country, I had always fostered imaginary stories, imaginary characters in my mind, and those stories were kind of bubbling to the surface, and the longer I was working within Children's Lit, the more I started trusting that those stories were valid as well. And so I think it was about my sixth uh, nonfiction book that I had written, and I realized that those fictional uh, characters were starting to really tug at me and really wanting to come out. And when I wrote my first fictional story, it was Red Sled, and it's a, it's a whimsical tale of a, a bear who steals a sled and goes sledding, and a bunch of car- other critters in the woods pile on, and it's just a, it's a fun, wild romp through the woods. And when I wrote it, a lot of people saw that as a huge departure for me because I had been writing science and history. And I didn't see it as a huge departure because as an author, you live with these stories in your heart. And this was a story that felt like it was a part of my being. When I was young, I had watched grizzly bears slide down mountainsides and play in the snow. And these were bears that I had grown up um, thinking about and um, who had provided comfort in, in terms of providing fostering my imagination. So as an author, I started realizing that for me to feel like I was exploring all the ideas, I kind of decided I would write a fiction and then a nonfiction, and and then go back to fiction and kind of shake things up. So I've written 30 books as of now, and I pretty much uh, follow that pattern where I'm researching and working on a nonfiction book, and while I'm doing that to kind of refresh, I will um, think about the next fictional story. And I just go back and forth. And I find that it constantly keeps me inspired. If I was only doing nonfiction, I think just the quantity, the sheer volume of research, I would feel that I think it would just be hard to feel so charged up. I mean, I think fiction is kind of restoring after a really long nonfiction book. I also think fiction is the way to write stories that are really relevant to young kids because it's really fun. You know, the scientist in me and the kid that loved science as a kid, I want to share that and and provide books that are, like, imparting knowledge and things I've learned and get kids excited about those things. But, you know, sometimes you want to write in about emotion. You want to write about anxiety or sadness or, or joy, and you want to share that. And so the fiction kind of allows me to find a way into those stories. My family has been a big inspiration um, to my work, and I, I think that's true probably for a lot of writers. I mean, we, we write who we are. Who we are informs our stories, and um, the way my family influenced me was the fact that I, I spent a lot of time out in the field, either because of my dad's job or my grandparents. My grandparents were particularly big influences on me. I spent every summer with them, and they were ornithologists. Um, my grandparents were Aldo Leopold's first 
uh, grad students and they were, he was the kind of the founder of conservation and they had worked so hard tirelessly for years to get help get DDT banned and they were reintroducing birds of prey into the wild. My grandmother was the first to breed eagles in captivity and I grew up in this crazy house that had no plumbing, no electricity and we were sent out into the marsh every day to ban hawks and owls and it really taught me so much so much of what I've learned as an illustrator and writer, I always tell kids when I'm in schools, if you want to be a, a good writer and illustrator, you need to have a great big imagination, which growing up living in the wild like that really fostered my imagination. Then the second thing I say is you need to be a great observer. And I think working out on the marsh and banding hawks and watching animals really taught me to be an observer and to notice the details. And that's so much of... Again, I always go back to thinking about kids who are told that they're reluctant readers or dyslexic. I always tell kids, you know, all you have to do is observe and have a story to tell. And how you go about finding that, you know, that's your, that's the joy of creating is we get to find these unique paths to tell these stories. But my grandparents really taught me to be a great observer. And they were such a strong influence on me when I was a kid. I really didn't visualize myself as being a writer, I thought I would follow in their footsteps and be a scientist. And I think I needed to kind of follow in their footsteps, but at the same time find my own path. And when I was a kid, I loved dinosaurs. I mean, everybody loves dinosaurs when they're a kid. And I grew up thinking, well, I could be a paleontologist. And I was so determined to do that. When I was 14, I decided I wanted to work on a dinosaur dig. And I wrote a bunch of letters to museums asking if I could volunteer on a dinosaur dig. And of course, they all wrote back and said, thank you for your interest. Why don't you contact us? when you're a little older. But I was just driven to do this. I just had a hunger to dig up dinosaur bones. So I kept writing letters. And finally, Phil Curry, who went on to discover, he was the person who discovered, um, did a lot of work with finding fossils with feathers and, and showing the connection to birds and how dinosaurs evolved into birds. He finally, he called and he said, I can see it might be easier to just let you come up and work on, uh, work on the dig with us. So I had convinced my parents if I could get a dinosaur dig to say yes, and if I earned the money for a bus ticket, that I could go work on a dinosaur dig. And so the moment school let out that summer, I jumped on a Greyhound bus and went up to the Tyrell Museum up in Alberta, Canada, and worked on this dig and dug dinosaurs all summer long. It was amazing work. I worked with this crew from, there were a lot of scientists from China. There was somebody from Nepal, a couple from Germany, one from Switzerland. It was just this international crew who had gathered and we just kind of geeked out on dinosaurs all summer. It was really incredibly fun. And I, I returned year after year, and I really thought that that was my path in life. But as I got older, I started realizing that what I loved about dinosaurs wasn't digging them up. It was using my imagination to think about what they looked like, and I loved to draw pictures of them. And Phil Curry was kind enough to ask me to design T-shirts and note cards to raise money for the dig so that we get better food because we were eating, everything was like dehydrated freeze-dried food and I think he actually was just saw a young kid who was meant to be an artist not a not a paleontologist and he was just giving me a an outlet to find that you know I could actually draw the dinosaurs so you know one of my first books was a book about dinosaurs and how they we we were discovering a lot of things about how they raise their young in nests and how the connection between modern day birds and dinosaurs was just being discovered when I was working on those digs. And so, I, and I always tell kids when they're in school, you know, some kids have struggled to see themselves as writers. 
And I was one of those kids. And I always tell them, you know, find a topic that you feel you can take ownership of. I think part of being a writer is just to find a place where you feel comfortable and you feel excited and that the joy of creating kind of outweighs the fear of creating. And for me, that connection to paleontology was that place for me. That became my kind of my safe zone to create. And then as the years go by, I've kind of ventured further and further afield from that. But that was my that was my starting blocks. Those were kind of my training wheels of becoming a writer was to find that connection to a subject that I love. I have a degree in geology, and um, you know, here I am working as a children's book illustrator, and I'm often asked how do how do you use your degree? Do you regret it? And you know, my my feelings about my college career was I was so fortunate to get to college. I I had to earn every penny that my college. You know, I didn't. I wasn't sitting on a bank account or scholarships or I picked up litter on the side of the road. I folded note cards. I painted magnets. I did every little job I could find to get to college. So I have absolutely no regrets about going to college. And I strongly feel that my degree in geology is what makes me be the illustrator and writer than I am. Because to be a good geologist, to be a good scientist, you have to be a great observer. And we'd be out mapping you know, these obscure little geological formations and looking for little clues to build up a picture of how the Earth's crust was formed. And that it, your storytelling, I mean, ge geology is storytelling. It's the story of the Earth. It really taught me to find the narrative and to find the, the extremely small details that you're searching for when you're out mapping that will build into that narrative. And so I actually feel like I pretty directly you know, use that degree. I'm using it in a different form than I intended. But I always tell people, there's a lot of art in good science, and there's a lot of science in good art. And I do sometimes have a regret that I didn't know that I could be an artist, and I would have loved to have gone to art school. I don't, frankly, think I could have afforded it. You know, I didn't come from a privileged background where the thought of going to, there's not a lot of art schools I was aware of art schools in New York. When I had met my husband, we decided that I wanted to do art. We looked into going to art school, and even at that point, I couldn't have afforded it. But then I realized, I think I had everything I needed from, you know, college taught me how to be a student. It's, and I mean that by being a student in life, throughout life. To be a good writer, you have to be somebody who's just chronically curious. You have to be filled with wonder and joy. And college introduced me to so many things, and perhaps it was good that I studied outside of my eventual field because it taught me to you know, uncover the truth in a subject that was different than art. I actually see a lot of kids coming out of art school and they show me their portfolio and they ask me about how to get a career in publishing. And you know, I'm always honest, getting a career in publishing, you have to be hungry, you have to wanna work really hard. And college can teach you that. But sometimes I think if I had gone to art school, I feel like I would have learned all the technique, but maybe not have learned the, um, this, the wonder and the, the looking for the clues that I did learn as a geology student. I think sometimes, approaching things. You know, maybe as a writer and illustrator, you have to approach things kind of from this really broad range. And you have to, sometimes where you least expect is where you find the key that unlocks a story for yourself. And I think geology taught me that. It taught me definitely to be curious in a way that I'll never regret having gotten a degree in a field that, you know, isn't eventually what I ended up 
being um, working in, um, but it's definitely a, a degree that feels incredibly relevant to me. I am Doug Gardner, and this has been the People in Their Work podcast. Music by Christopher Weiss. Images are from the UVU Roots of Knowledge stained glass exhibit by Holdman Studios.